and we welcome you to another edition of That's News to Us. My name is Sid Fong. Joe, Albert, and I are still on the summer hiatus, but we have this best of edition for you in which we go back to late January in which we interview a guy named Graham Womack, who was at that time a reporter for Gold Country Media. He talked a little bit about what it's like working for a smaller newspaper. And he's also a big time Major League Baseball fan. Uh, he's, he gave us his thoughts about the Hall of Fame and really kind of going through the analytics of MLB. So it was a really fun discussion with Graham Womack. Uh, before we go into that conversation with Graham, uh, just a reminder that we'd love for you guys to subscribe to That's News to Us podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. So we'd love for more people to jump on board and be able to uh, listen to our podcasts weekly. So we appreciate all the, the folks who have followed us, and we would love to have more down the road. So with that being said, enjoy the conversation with Graham Woolmack. And we welcome you to another edition of That's News to Us. My name is Sid Fong. Along with me, as always, is Albert M. Hello, hello. And, um, what's that? That's right. We don't have Joe Orlando in studio today. Joe's not here, but somehow, someway, we have Joe via face, FaceTime now. Yes, remote, as they say. Remote, yes. Remote uh, assignment. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Joe, can you tell us why you're not here in studios? Yeah, I got a fat-ass foot that's all red and swollen and uh, infected. We don't want to know how your weekend went. We want you to tell us why you're not here oh, in the studio. Ouch. Damn, Albert. <laughs> why you got to hate, bro? Where's the love? So, dude, so it, it just you just had the infection yesterday? Well, it just kind of came on quickly. I have no idea what happened. I started feeling crappy yesterday, and it started uh, hurting as I was walking around, and I got up this morning, and it was... It was swollen and red, and I couldn't walk, and so I did the obligatory letting work know, letting you guys know, uh, sending you guys a picture of my ass after the shot. Yeah, and, and, and the doctor said that you're not dying, right? It's just an infection? Um, he's, he's given me a couple weeks, so let's, let's do this quickly. Fair I enough. I don't know what that means. Just a couple weeks. That's how much he has to live. So we should go visit him and oh. have his last rites. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I've, I've got a couple weeks. So let's let's do some fun. Let's do, <laughs> let's do some fun. Barbecue. Let's do it right. So you're not last meal. Are you not working the rest of the week? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to limp in tomorrow. I don't know. I'll see how it feels. I'm sure you will have the best attitude ever. Yeah. Exactly. All that <laughs> yeah, medication. That. <laughs> so how was your week, Joe? How was it besides the foot? Uh, it, it, it wasn't, well, I mean, hell, it's only Tuesday, Sid, so how, how much, uh, you know, in-depth are we going to get? But, no, I mean, I, you know, I, it's, it's kind of a proud day for the family because my nephew just, uh, just swore in with the uh, Marines. So oh, fam, very nice. Uh, my sister and brother-in-law just shot me a picture of the swearing in, so that was pretty sweet. That's sweet. And we'll put that up, too, somewhere yeah. to show. Wait, hell yeah. So, Albert, I mean, he's uh, Semper Fi, baby. You're an Army boy, a little competition, I don't know. Yeah, you know, he's a jarhead, but we welcome him into the family as well. We, got, we got love. You know, we, we, we make fun of each other, but, you know, we, overall we got love for each other. So it's like, it is like a real family. You, you guys are feeling the love together. Yeah. Hey, Joe, Joe, yeah. can I give you an update? Uh, I wish you would. Yes. 
I got the minivan. After weeks and weeks what? of searching, I have the minivan. All right, tell us Let's about it. About tell about us it. the specs. Okay, so it's a kind of a sky blue exterior Sienna XLE. So it's leather interior, okay? Leather interior XLE that we had to buy in Placerville, guys. Not in Sacramento, what? but up. we had to drive up to Placerville to get this particular XLE. Sid, was that the one you were negotiating with when we no. all had fa? No, that, no, it was a that that oh. one was uh, in another city, but uh, oh, okay. yeah, that was a used car. So, we, anyways, uh, we were looking at an Odyssey. We we're looking at uh, Siennas, and finally, we 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 settled on the Sienna. You know, I actually I don't want to over uh, do uh, one over on you, but I actually know a friend who drove. They did this uh, true car thing where they uh, yeah. compare estimate prices. Yeah. They came up from Fresno, took the Amtrak all the way up to Sacramento what? to pick up a minivan because they got a sweet deal. Yeah. They what? got a all full package 2017 Sienna for, I believe, $43,000 out the door. Okay. So, so they drove that. They took the train, literally trained with three little kids, you know, had to like, you know, whatever, get the rides all taxis and whatever just to get this car. Here, here's, here's something that you guys uh, need to know. I used an online broker for his, um, for his quote. And so when I went to the dealership, Joe, uh, the, the dealership said, hey, I, I, could only, I could only get you out the door at basically uh, around $36,000, okay? And I said, that's all you can do. You can't, you can't get us to, to the, the, the cost that we you said, like around 33 out the door. And he said, no. So basically, I said, okay, fine. I knew 33 would be low-balling them. So I, I took out my phone, Albert, and basically showed him the quote from the online broker. And, the, and, the, and then basically the guy, from, the, the guy from the dealership was like, hold on, let me talk to my manager. Ah, yeah. that move. Yeah, so, oh, so, Joe, bluff. so Joe, what happened was they beat, they beat the, the quote that I got from the online broker, which was – actually pretty darn good yeah. so you so, know what the bottom line was Sid? what Sid, you had leverage bro that's what it came down look I, at, at my height yes i finally have leverage <laughs> yes so uh at the door pretty good price and i uh, and you know you you know who i was very impressed with my wife she played the bad cop i played the oh. good cop she played the bad cop joe oh yes and well, she, sit in the relationship, I got to tell you, I'm always more impressed with your yes, I, yes, you should be. She drew the line in the sand and basically said, "No, we're we're not taking this. We're only doing this." And basically, it, it made me the good cop, made me the good guy, and she played the bully. So that's that was awesome. That was awesome. I think it's. Uh, I just you know, uh, of course she's she's gonna play uh, hardball. She's like nine months pregnant, not in any mood to screw around. Yeah, no kidding. She means business. Yes, she no means kidding. business. Here's the thing: is like, I'm usually the guy that comes up with the game plan, and I usually am the one that somehow, some way, will forget the game plan. And she's the one to say, no, you know, you have to stick to the plan. Very I'm good. Like, yeah. Very good. So, 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 Albert, what do you got, bro? How was your week? Well, um, I want to start. By saying that size matters. Oh, jeez. What? Um, what <laughs> Easy, <tiger. laughs> Does that get your uh, medication swirling a little bit more, Joe? <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, I'm, now, I'm now all fogged Now, you're, now yeah. you're all cleared up. Um, so, no, um, I, my car had a little fender bender. Uh, um, had it for a while. Took the car in for repairs. And so I was thinking I'm just going to rent the 
I don't know, just a small car or a small SUV, something equivalent. They didn't have any of the small SUVs, so they gave me the Expedition, the Ford Expedition. Oh, and nice. Let me tell you, I hated that thing the first two days because it was so big, humongous, couldn't park. It's just like so big, right? Like it's just, it's a couldn't, I couldn't even fit it into my garage. It was I had to park it outside. Right. Albert, but, I've seen your parking lot. I parked in your parking lot, and that that uh, expedition takes up your parking like, lot. Like yeah, you're... like two spaces. But Seriously. the more I've been what? driving it, man, it is a it is. You get some respect. Like people look at that car, like wow, like you know, they look at the huge car. It's, it is a tank compared to other cars. You're so high above, so much room in the car. It fits like eight comfortably, like a limo, right? Right. And it has power for days. You know, it's like a V8, V10 or whatever. I don't know how I'm going to go back to my V4, you know, Look at the small ga- SUV. Look how much gas do you put in, though. Oh, yeah. But that's that's the reality check. Right. Um, yeah. 13 miles per gallon. What? So, and then it's like a 20-gallon whatever. So, I, you know, I filled it full for about $80. 13 <laughs> miles per gallon. 13 miles per gallon. In California. So, dude, so, in other words, you can drive down to L.A. and fill it up four times. Yeah, but it's going to cost like three times as much as what I pay now. Because I get like about 30 miles per gallon now. And oh I thought that was gosh. okay average. You go do 13 miles per gallon. Oh, my goodness. That $80 per fill-up hurts. It hurt me in a deep sense that I never felt before. Okay, so. if there was a hybrid expedition, would you get it? You know what's funny? You bring that up. I, I There is actually – I was doing some research. And I'm like, this is, car is nice. I want something big. Right. So I couldn't find any SUV like those huge Yukon, anything like that, that is a hybrid that's worth talking about. Mm-hmm. But there is a Chevy Pacifica, I believe. It's a minivan, but it's a hybrid. It gets 44 miles to the gallon. It's a plug-in. Yeah. That's crazy. So I'm like, I would never get a minivan. But now I'm actually thinking about a 44 miles per gallon minivan. You know, that's not bad with all that space. Um, well, can't damn, beat it. bro. Plus, you can write it all off because it's your biz. Exactly. You know, it's like a storage bin car or whatever. Yeah. So I saw that. And I was like, I was pretty impressed. So I had my up, up and down with size. It was like, at first I hated it and then I loved it. And then when I had to go to the gas pump, I was like, ugh. Joe, Maybe not. Joe, I, I know you can't stay with us for the rest of the show. Is there any prayer request that you may have for your foot? <laughs> Any what? Prayer request. How can we pray for you, Joe? How can uh, we um, heal you, Joe, from your from your injury? Well, I just I don't want any touching of the hand or touching of like me, and I don't want any of the snakes and shit like that. So <laughs> the snakes. I'm not back <laughs> the snakes. Oh my gosh! All right. You did not just say snakes, Joe. I do, I came with the snakes. I don't I don't need any of that horse. Uh, Joe, Pat's Eagles. Who who do you have? Pat's and Eagles. I like. Uh, Probably the Pats, but I, I think it's it's going to be tight. Joe, um, if you don't survive this, it, it was nice knowing you. R.I.P., man. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P., man. You R. know what, boys? Uh, peace out. <laughs> All right. Joe, get better. Late. All right. Joe Orlando from his dungeon in uh, Placer County, California. Um, we wish him well, Albert. Yes. Um, R.I.P., like I said. We will take a break. And when we come back, we'll get back into the normal format of the show. Uh, Michigan State in the news for all the wrong reason. We talk about the Grammys. And we have a lot more. And 
our suggestions for the XFL. All that much more on That's News to Us. Welcome back. Albert, Sid, That's News to Us. All right, well, first up, uh, Michigan State, um, they have been associated with uh, Larry Nasser, who, who's been in the news. He's basically, he's, he's going to be in prison for the rest of his life, uh, guilty for uh, all these uh, really horrible things with the U.S. Gymnastic, gymnastic team. But he also has an affiliation with the Michigan State uh, School. I'm glad, you know, one thing I'm glad about, they dropped the word allegations because now it's like an actual thing. Right. Before it was all allegedly, now it's an actual thing. So I'm glad. So there have been stories about Michigan State with the athletic department, with the university covering up not only Larry Nassar, but also players who may have been involved in some sexual allegation. One of the players uh, from the basketball team, his name is Travis Walton. Uh, he was on the team and then was an assistant coach with Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo, after the Maryland game over the weekend, was interviewed during a press conference uh, by an ESPN reporter, and this is what it sounded like. As I said before, you know, we'll cooperate with any investigation, and I always have. Um, We've done it before, and we'll do it moving forward. And that's about all I'm going to say on it, that we did cooperate with everything. We want to give you every opportunity to answer questions. There's a lot of questions. A big one is, why did Travis leave the program in 2010? I, I, I don't know what you mean. He graduated. He was with your staff throughout 2010. An allegation came forward later that year that from a, from a woman and her family to the athletic department that he and two of your players raped her. He then left the program later that year in 2010. Why? To be honest with you, I don't remember why he left. I know he went to Europe to play. And, and uh, as you know, I'll, I'll, I'll still say I'll cooperate with any investigation that's made. Uh, I did it then. I did it before. And uh, I'm not going to answer any questions that aren't pertaining to either basketball or things that I am not going to talk about right now. That's Tom Izzo, head coach of the Michigan State basketball team. You know, can I? This this reminds me of the whole Joe Paterno thing. You know, you knew there is some sense of uh, some not, not good things going on, but I feel bad. I kind of do feel bad for Tom Izzo. It's like. He's just kind of getting dragged through the mud, just kind of like Joe Pa did. Oh, Even though he is associated, has absolutely. some responsibility, it's like he's a good coach. He's a nice guy, like, but he has blood on his hands. Absolutely. I, I don't know. I mean, it's a tough one for Michigan State. I mean, if, you, if I were working for that university, how do you handle this? How would you handle the press conferences? You, you have press conferences after – basketball games so it happens that's the normal that's the normal mo to have so do you avoid it you can't avoid that you can't I, run from it you yeah. can't run from that and so i mean those are s standard answers that i'm sure he was given uh, by his university to say is not necessarily going to suffice with the reporters who were at the press conference, but I mean, I don't know where to go. I mean, because it's a legal situation also for Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, 
it's going to be hard to hide, you know, right now it's basketball season and then when football season comes, it's, it's not going to end, right? It's and, and so the question is, where does it end? Where does the buck ultimately go all the way down to? Is it just sports and then the athletics department? But then does the dean or the president of the school like have some responsibility? I mean, there is, it just seems like there is layers and layers and layers of who's responsible and who's accountable and you know it'll sort itself itself out but it's sad you know that it's getting into you know press conference they should be asking about you know shooting percentage and team rebounding and yeah he's getting he yeah. looked kind of shocked yeah. you know the, his face reactions like um no yeah. comment well he, uh, but he also knew it was coming he also knew it was coming it, it, there, there is a headline that says ex michigan state ad said that Tom Izzo and Mark D'Antonio, who were who was the uh, football head coach, were hung up to dry. Yeah. So, interesting. Well, there's a lot of layers to be uncovered for Michigan State and the story, and we'll, we'll see. Did you watch the Grammys? You know, I did not watch the Grammys. I saw, like, highlight clips on Monday, but I did not watch the Grammy. I was actually taking a nap. <laughs> I know, it sounds so old, man. It's because you took a nap, you missed this performance here. I had to learn how to fight for myself. And we both know all the truth, I can tell. I'll just say this as I wish you farewell. After a powerful intro from Janelle Monet about the Time's Up movement, Kesha took to the stage to perform her Grammy-nominated hit, Praying, and she was accompanied by all-star backup singers, including Cindy Lauper, Andrew Day, Camila Cabello, B.B. Rexa and Best New Artist nominee, Julia Michaels. So, I don't know who that female singer actually is, Albert. You don't know who Kesha is? No, I don't know who Kesha <laughs> is. Sorry. Uh, she's, uh, she obviously was part of this Time's Up movement, but there was also some other things that went on during the Grammys as well. Tonight, I am proud to stand in solidarity as not just an artist, but a young woman with my fellow sisters in this room who make up the music industry. We come in peace, but we mean business. Tonight, in this room full of music's dreamers, we remember that this country was built by dreamers, for dreamers, chasing the American dream. On behalf of those who fight for equality in a world that is not equal, not just, and not ready for the change we are here to bring, I say unto you, bring us your tired, your poor, and any immigrant who seeks refuge. For together, we can build not just a better country, but a world that is destined to be united. He had a longtime fear of being poisoned. One reason why he liked to eat at McDonald's. Nobody knew he was coming, and the food was safely pre-made. That's it, we've got it, that's the one. You think so? Oh, yeah. All right, so a lot of politics um, surrounding the, the show. Can I be honest? I, you know, I was lying about uh, me taking a nap. I actually um, intentionally missed the Grammys. Yeah. Um, you know, I just. By the way, the ratings went down for the for the Grammys. I, I, I surprise. Yeah. Um, you know, I if I want to see a award show, you know, I'm almost. You know, 50-50, like, eh, I'd rather not watch it, and eh, maybe I'll watch it. And then you throw in the factor of, like, you're going to... Uh, but by the way, with music performances, um, half or more of the show is going to be, like, reprimanding you as a man. Yes. So, hmm, if I'm, if I'm already 50-50 about watching music performances, but then I also get reprimanded as a man, um, I might pass. It was a soft pass for me. Here's the thing. And... I don't know if you agree with this. 
most award shows are not known for who won the award, but what controversy, what you know, what t- type of politics are brought up in on award show, right? So, I for me, I missed it. I intentionally missed it, much like you. But I watched the uh, the highlights during news shows, and we got the we got this clip from another website. So, I mean, I don't think I missed much. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that there is definitely the need for this, the voice of everybody that's speaking up, whether, you know, the show was about women, it was about immigrants. And I agree and support it in, in all the way in whatever they're doing, you know, but I think... Having the voice, right? I the voice you. is yeah. very important. And I think to be able to get that voice out and let people know is great. But I think, you know... I guess for me, I separate entertainment as like, okay, let me be entertained. Just like, uh, you know, the NFL, one of my problem was not that they were doing the protest, but it's like, dude, let me enjoy the game or do something that's unified, has one meaningful, impactful thing that you can do, right. and then get on with it, with the game, with the part of the entertainment that we want to enjoy. That's why I think they were saying NFL is down. That's why the, the shows, they're all down. It's because... People don't want to watch that. They want to watch some entertainment. They want to be entertained. That's what TV is for. Yeah, and look, if, if I know that going into the Super Bowl, going into the Grammys, if it's going to be three hours of straight up people giving their viewpoints about society, I'm like, all right, you know, let, let me let me dust off an old CD and, and listen to that as opposed to the Grammys, right? Right. And, and these aren't people that I have that much respect for anyway. They're just performers. They're not my role models. They're not lawmakers. They're not people with influence to do anything like specific that can change policy. So I want to see you sing. I want to see you make a tackle. All right. Uh, going from entertainment to something kind of. Heartwarming? Yeah, no, not even close. Uh, Enlightening. Yeah, I I think a lot of people have heard about the Turpin family, and uh, a lot, a lot more, a lot more details rather have come out about the the really the crappy situation in Texas where they had their kids. Here we go. Tonight, new images of the squalid home the Turpin family left in Texas years ago, showing the stomach-turning interior. Walls smeared with human filth, that slime-rimmed tub. Images like these are part of a mountain of evidence California prosecutors are pouring through, which they say could lead to even more charges against David and Louise Turpin. doesn't sound like punishment. It sounds like sadistic torture. The parents already facing life in prison if convicted, accused of starving and torturing their children. They pleaded not guilty. It feels from our perspective that we're looking into a pit and we don't know where the bottom is. Their doctors say the siblings' physical condition is slowly improving, but they suffered years of near total isolation. Man, that is that's just that is hard to. Oh my gosh, I, I don't know if you're. I mean, if your job is to investigate that situation in Texas, and you go into that house, I don't know how you could stomach that, man. I I don't know how uh, you know. You think there is like you know. <laughs> Human beings sometimes surprise me even after being desensitized so much of all the things that's happened, you know, that you hear about these similar cases and then you're like, oh no, there's there's a little bit more worse that we can do as human beings. <laughs> as a human race, we can be worse. <laughs> I I don't know. I and, and 
I, I love that. This is a story from ABC. I, I just love getting the details of the story because as a, I mean, looking at the photos, hearing about the details, you can already come up with a conclusion. This is, this is a really messed up couple. I mean, you look at the mugshot. I mean, okay, here's how you know it's a bad situation. Before I even knew about the story itself, I saw the mugshots. Yeah. Before I read it, that yeah. woman's face, yeah. I'm like, something's wrong with her. Yes. Some, some, something is disturbingly wrong with her. I felt scared just looking at that mugshot. I'm like, and then I read the story like, oh my gosh, this is the story mm -hmm. with the kids. And, yeah. You know, yeah it's that, you know, the mugshot says a lot. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I it, seriously, I mean, I hate to make light of the situation because there's no light to this, but... You look at the father. He looks like a looks like he should be some type of Amish father, right? In Pennsylvania. Yeah. It's it, it's crazy. And then they to know you have kids from like a two year old to someone in, in her twenties, I don't know what's going on there. And and it's one of those things like you said, I can't believe this is reality, but it, it is reality. And and you know, the saddest thing of all is, you know, these type of stories that happen, there's like one kid that's like seven. It goes on for like five years or two years or whatever, like less than double digits, right? Like you said, there's a like a four-year and then like a 20-year-old. Like mm -hmm. that means this has been going on for at least 20 years of this abuse of one, you know, for the oldest kid that's been happening. And I'm like, how... How does something like this go on for this long? That's what surprises me the most. Yeah, I, I don't know. And luckily, they're caught. One last thing. I hope that the the parents. I hope their their parents are alive. The grand supposed grandparents of those those two parents. I think they should also go to jail <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. they're either estranged or yeah. they let their kids to be this way or they didn't check up on their grandkids and they, they sort of let it happen. They're the only ones who kind of had a, a window into their situation and they just kind of let it go too. So, you know, they should go to jail too as a package deal. <laughs> All right, when we come back, uh, we get into one anchor from Dallas who has her opinions about Trump, uh, Megan Kelly, Jane Fonda, XFL, and... Does the crock pot actually cause damage in your house? Whoa. Mm, all that much more on That's News to Us. news to us we have a guest in studio graham womack he is a freelance writer who's done a lot of writing about not only major league baseball but also the the hall of fame he also is a, a reporter for gold country media covering all of placer county is that correct Correct. yeah basically i cover south placer i primarily write about roseville but i'll also cover rockland and granite bay and so that's what i do by day and then baseball is kind of my passion in my spare time well, let's talk about the newspaper venture here sure I, Tell me the vibe of what it's like to work for maybe like a smaller newspaper. Obviously, the Sacramento Bee is the thing here in the Sacramento region. Sure. But what's it, what's it like to work for, for Gold Country? Yeah, so I mean, I'll start off by saying I was actually briefly at the B uh, when I was right out of college. I was class of 2005 from Cal Poly, and so I was briefly on the sports desk. And I remember when I was at the B, it was just it was this massive, you know, just uh, operation. I think we had 35 people in the sports department. I was answering phones, taking down high school football scores. 
you know, I, I was only there a few months. Um, and then I, I really, I didn't, I did a lot of freelance, but I didn't really work full time anywhere for a long time. And then about a year ago, I picked up this job in Roseville and, oh my goodness, it's like, you know, the, the, the decade I was kind of, you know, not working consistently in the industry. It just, as you guys know, it just changed just rapidly. Mm -hmm. So I'm in this building where, yeah, I mean, it was built for what we were in the eighties. Um, and when we were a six day a week paper, we're a weekly now, but you know, with, with our shell kind of operation, we're doing a heck of a good job. We, we cover South Placer as well as anybody does. We're the only people really consistently going to meetings and, you know, doing watchdog reporting there. So it feels like, we, you know, we serve a really vital role um, and uh, it's something I'm proud to be a part of. Yeah, and th I think that's still a necess necessity in print journalism is to really be on the grounds and be able to do the stories that sometimes you may not get from the bigger newspaper. Oh, unfortunately. I mean, absolutely. Uh, you know, unfortunately, there's been this trend in our industry toward, you know, agencies and other groups being able just to issue press releases on Facebook and Twitter. And, you know, what I see again and again is I'll, I'll see an agency issue a release and I get this release and I don't rewrite press releases. You know, I like to dig in and do a little actual reporting, but I'll see other places just run with it and they'll have a story up an hour or two later, which has no additional reporting, which is just basically a shallow rewrite of whatever press release has been put out there. I won't name any names or, you know, yeah. put any outlets on blast for this, but no, I, please, we, we, <laughs> to, uh, we, we like to name names here. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just, uh, if anybody in the local media is, is listening, please like get away from doing this. This is going to kill our industry at some right. point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but your first love, I, I don't think I'm exaggerating. Is baseball correct? Oh goodness, yeah. I um, basically uh, my you know my dad played uh, played baseball when he was growing up, and uh, so he, he got me into it from an early age. Uh, I also have a grandpa who got me a book of baseball history when I was about eight. It was 500 pages. I read the whole thing. It took like three months because I was eight. But uh, basically, every season from 1900 to 1990. So to this day, I can still tell you pretty much. If you throw a random year at me, I can tell you who won the World Series that year. You know, I, I can I can take a test where I can do all the Hall of Famers basically in 10 minutes. Uh, wow. Yeah, this is my passion. I mean, I guess everybody probably has something that they do this for. Baseball is that thing for me. Yeah. yeah. That's cool, man. Mine it, is using the restroom. So it's <laughs> my passion. Yeah. My and, passion is that. Uh, and we can find you on Twitter, right? At, at Graham, yeah. Graham Dude, right? And, yeah. And, so actually, I, I maintain accounts actually for, for both uh, both just for fun and then also for my day job. So Graham Dude is, is my one that I've had for eight years where I tweet about baseball history and just kind of whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I also have a Graham Womack GCM, which I started up uh, last spring, which is for my Gold Country Media work. Because it occurred to me that most of my followers for that aren't generally baseball fans, which is unfortunate. But, you yeah. know, I, I don't want to flood them with esoteric baseball history, you know, <laughs> kind of tweets. Yeah. So let me before we get into the Hall of Fame, because I um, I'm an ex baseball watcher. Oh, I, uh, so he, he has admitted that. So you know, I I I see you know I used to love baseball when I was a kid. Watched it had you know I started with baseball with the baseball cards, and it was like the best sports to follow. Uh, and I think as I got older, the competition of basketball and football. And even other things that kind of came into play, you know, kind of ticked my interest. And now it's like really in the outskirts of my interest of sports. I, I love sports. And I'll, I'll watch, you know, the World Series and whatnot and still follow. But um, how do you see baseball kind of going forward competing against these other sports that seems to be really thriving? Do you see a need for baseball to 
do tweak or do something to kind of get to notice more? Or do you feel like it's fine the way it is? Like keep, you know, you're like the pure tradition. Like don't change anything. Just like I love the way, I love the slow pace. I've heard that too. So what is your thoughts? I think baseball has a great product. I think its challenge is always, one of its big challenges has always been how it markets, you know, its marketing. Uh, even myself, like I, I love baseball and yet I, I'm, I'm quicker to watch a football or a basketball game. Mm-hmm. I know I was, I was in Oakland at my wife's uh, parents' house this past weekend and yeah, my father-in-law and I were totally watching the Warriors-Celtics game, which is one of the best basketball games I've seen in a long yeah. time. Steph Curry went for wow. 49 points. I don't feel that way about baseball a whole heck of a lot when I watch games. I love reading about the sport. I love researching it. I love talking to people about it, and I love writing about it. But actual watching of games, unless I'm going to the ballpark, I mean, baseball's a boring sport to watch on TV. <laughs> Wait a second. My Wait gosh, a second. he admits it. I know. You're not, you're, I think you're, I'm asking you to defend baseball. No, but yeah, is there a... So do you see, is it a problem or is it like, it's, I mean, the, the fans will be fans and it's like, you're not worried about it. I mean, you know, they have these talks about revenues going down and people are trying to change the sport to get people back into it. Yeah. Or do you just feel like, hey, you know what? It's always going to be America's pastime and it's, you know, it might be what it is and it's fine. And it's like, you know, steady the ship as it goes. No, I mean, I think the time has passed for it to be, to be America's pastime. Uh, you know, I, I was interviewing an, a famous faithful baseball authors uh, some years ago named Robert Creamer, and he was just talking about how nobody plays baseball right. anymore. Yeah, right. But, you know, like I said, though, baseball is a great product. I mean, and, you know, it, it is a boring sport, but it's also one that if you get into it, it's rewarding. I mean, it's uh, it's got a fantastic history that goes back like 150 plus years. Right. I mean, that's one thing I love about it as a baseball historian is, I mean, there's like 19,000 people who've played in the majors. You can always find another story to dig into and just, you know, stuff you didn't know. All right, so since you're a historian, um, we just have the, the Hall of Fame um, inductees being named. Chipper Jones, Vladimir Guerrero, Jim Tomey, Trevor Hoffman, and then two others that I can't think of right now. Jack, uh, Jack Morris and Alan Trammell. Okay. Uh, for me, I have an issue with Jim Tomey being on that list. Do you have any issues with any of the names that, that came out? Not really. I mean, I, they were all guys pretty much who I would have been fine with being in the Hall of Fame over time. I kind of wish that Edgar Martinez would have been in Trevor Hoffman's oh, place because it's a yeah. little ridiculous That's to me good. that you would ding, you know, Edgar Martinez for only playing kind of a, a sort of limited role by being a designated hitter. But then go to Trevor Hoffman and be like, OK, you pitched the ninth inning so well, uh, you know, we're we're going to usher you into the Hall of Fame. So that would have been nice. Some some people who are really into statistics aren't necessarily enamored with Jack Morris getting in. Uh, by sabermetrics, he's not a particularly great choice, but he's one of those choices. But he was that, a great postseason oh, pitcher, though. Ap- ap- yeah, I mean, there's 91 World Series, Game 7. You know, he goes 10 innings, pitches a shutout. Uh, I think 87 with the, with the Tigers. Uh, the He was doing well. I, I think it was 87, yeah. He didn't go to the World Series that year, but I, I think he I think they were in the ALCS. That was my first World Series, by the way. When I moved here uh, from Korea to the United States, what? that was like my first one that I understood, like, ooh, Kirby Puckett. That's yeah. actually a person's name. So, <laughs> so I mean, uh, when you say those names, a lot of them you say, yeah, Hall of Famer. Chipper Jones, definitely. Vladimir oh, Romero yeah. had one of the best arms as an outfielder. But Jim Tomey, you said – Good player, very good player with Cleveland, with with Philadelphia. I don't. I the 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 term Hall of Fame doesn't necessarily roll out of my mouth when I think about Jim Tomey. Sure, I mean, I you know, I, I can I would have voted for him, but I, I could I could I I had, I was actually surprised he got as high of a percentage of the vote he did. I, I 
I, I don't have it in front of me, but I think it was probably like 90 plus percent. I think what helped him was he had over 600 home runs. Uh, he was in the majors for a long, long time. He was a great clubhouse presence. Uh, also, his, his on-base percentage, I want to say, was over 400 for his career, which is, is just excellent. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting to me is, you know, you, you kind of look at sort of, you know, numbers of how guys were compared to their era. And Tony, for me, lines up a lot with like a Harmon Killebrew, you know, a guy who played for the Twins back in the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Um, he was a guy at 256 for his career because of the era he was in. If he'd played in the 90s, his batting average probably would have been 30 points higher. Probably would have been pretty close to Jim Tomey's, uh, whatever it was, for his lifetime. But because Killebrew played in a worse era, he, it took him like four or five tries to get into the Hall of Fame with the writers. And I kind of wondered if Tomey was going to face the similar thing. But the pace of the voting has accelerated a lot. And mm-hmm. you have guys like Jim Tomey in the past who would have needed maybe a couple times to get in who now are just sailing in. Overall, I think that's a good thing. Although it's going to be interesting seeing six guys on the on the dais this summer, you know, um, giving speeches. I wouldn't be opposed to limiting the number of inductions every year. I, I think it cheapens it a little bit if you've got five or six guys right. getting in. But I don't want the other extreme where you have no guys getting in and you have these voters who are like, "Well, this guy wasn't like Willie Mays, so you know, he's right. not a Hall of Famer in my book." I mean, that's absurd. Right. Well, you're right. Uh, you know, Jim Tomey. F- uh, 402 OPB, and he did have the 600 over Cub. So, I mean, his numbers are impressive. Just looking at it right now, Chipper Jones, Vladimir, and Jim Tomey, I mean, he did make that 600 club, and they say that's kind of almost an automatic thing if you could get to 600, and he had that, and he's 400 over on the OPB. So, I mean, you're right. When you think about it, he's like the strikeout machine who strikes, you know, hits home runs only, but, you know. He Here, here's the thing. I, I mentioned this to Albert before we recorded the show. He has done it primarily in the steroid era. So are those numbers inflated in, in your opinion? Or they you know, you can't you can't look at you can't look at the era and you just have to take it for what it was. Yeah, well so I mean I'll say first off with Tommy, uh, there's you know, there's no evidence he ever he ever did steroids. I mean there's not there's nothing that we know of. I mean unfortunately basically anybody who played probably between about I'd say, you know, nineteen ninety and two thousand five, you have to take their numbers with somewhat of a grain of salt, but you know, we can only go off of what we know, and what we know with him is that he never failed the test. He was never in the Mitchell report, uh, you know, there was never a tell all book written about him. Other thing I'd point out too is a stat that I really like that's up there is a OPS plus. It basically it adjusts your OPS for how you did relative to the ballpark you played in and the quality of basically the league you were in and the run scoring environment. You know, tell me adjusting for all that, it's at 147. That means he's basically approximately 47% better than an average hitter. So I mean that's that's pretty hard to do, and that's for the length of his career, too. That's My not just gosh, a season. My gosh, you are a numbers nerd, aren't you? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I did this for free for years, too. They didn't even have to pay me. <laughs> Graham Womack, he's, he's a freelance writer, also a reporter for Gold Country Media, um, a baseball historian. Um, Can I have one more question, Sure, Tim? go for it. Um, and I think we kind of talked about it. The two names that are, like, obvious um, yeah. candidates – and I think not, you know, I think we know who those two names are. We don't even have to say the name. I think sure. most baseball people know, uh, you know, you're professional. I mean, you're a voter. So perspective wise, I mean, 
Do you think eventually they'll get in, or do you think... Are you talking about LeBron Hernandez? <laughs> <laughs> no, Jason, and Larry Walker, yes. No, J- Jason Isringhouse. <laughs> <Yeah. Yeah. laughs> do you see Clemens and Bonds? I, I mean, you know, we're looking at this list right now. They're seven and eight. So they're not like, you know, on the bottom list. They're kind of like in the cusp. But do you feel like it's going to be those that thing that they're going to get close, close, and then never really make it to the mountaintop? Or do you feel like they'll get in, people will forget, or forget about what I, or forgive whatever the case may be yeah so i mean so here's the deal they're basically you know uh, they're in their they're in their sixth year of eligibility this year uh both topped 55 percent um it's basically unprecedented for somebody to finish out even above like 50 percent on the ballot and not eventually get in heck if you even get 30 percent of the vote there's like a 90 percent chance over time that you'll get in so yeah, I mean, to me, it's not a question of if they'll get in, it's a question of when. Uh, they've got four more years of eligibility with the Baseball Writers Association of America. Yeah. They need 75% of the vote, so the question is, can they close you know, basically that 20% of the remaining vote? Answer is I don't know. You know, Joe Morgan wrote a letter this, right. uh, this year saying, oh, you know, I don't think any steroid users should be in. You know, I find that pretty behind the times myself. I mean, for starters, there's been things to juke the numbers for years in baseball. There's there was amphetamines in the in the 60s. Yeah, that's downtown Sacramento. <laughs> we yeah. are in downtown Sacramento, so yeah. that'll happen Sorry once in a while. That. No, that's cool. Everyone, um, take a shot for a light, light rail going through. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, there was there was amphetamines in the 60s. I mean, baseball was uh, was segregated until 1947. I mean. It just was any man, any manner of different things over the years. Um, so I, I don't think you can call Clemens and Bonds out too much. You know, the one thing, the one name that's really intriguing for me though is Sammy Sosa because he on the list he's 18th. So that means he's almost on the bottom of the list, which means his you know rate of getting in is much much uh, riskier. And yet he is in the 600 club. So, you know, the, the rule of thumb is 3,000 hits or 600 hits or 300 wins. He does have the 600 home runs, and yet it doesn't look like he's going to get in. Does, is that going to set a precedent? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely one, one thing that's been interesting is kind of the steroid era candidates to become available, you know, become eligible is that, yeah, you're not seeing guys automatically getting in. I think Rafael Palmero, you know, he had 3,000 hits and 500, well, close to 600 home runs. Yeah. I think he got 5%, which is basically if you don't get 5% of the vote, you can't stay on the ballot for the next year. I mean, Sosa right now is, you know, is, is right around 7%, uh, you know, and uh, th- th- there is no way that Sosa is getting in through the writers. Um, yeah. He's the kind of guy who I maybe see 20, 30 years from now being kind of a sympathetic case. Whereas like Clemens or Bonds, if they don't get in through the writers, I could almost see him getting in the first chance they're eligible with the committee. Hey, let me ask you that question. Uh, Writers, they play the obviously the heavy hand of, of and almost a judge and jury and executioner in in this turn in this way. Um, do you feel like that some of the writers really want to play that role and say, you know what, I don't like you, I don't like what you have done. So therefore, even though your numbers should get you in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, I'm not going to let you in. I don't know. That's hard to say because I mean they're. I don't know if it happens with people who are out and out Hall of Famers. Like, I mean, I'm I'm sure there's been inner circle greats who were kind of jerks who got in. I mean, S- Steve Carlton's a lunatic, and right. he got in his his first ballot. He was eligible, but I think it it can happen more with guys who might be sort of on the borderline. I mean, two two cases I'm thinking of off the top of my head are Albert Bell and Dick Allen. Dick Allen managed to go the full 15 years on the ballot. I believe that he was eligible. 
it didn't really get close to induction. He's got he's fallen a vote shy with uh, with the committees, you know, since since he's you know been eligible with the the more veteran groups. But he was somebody who you know during his career um, was you know kind of or he's had a reputation in retirement rather that during his career he was kind of a clubhouse cancer. Um, a lot I've talked to teammates of his who said he was a great guy. Um, but uh, that could be a case where some of the writers were like, no, there's no way I'm voting for this guy. One other question for you. This is um, maybe going back to kind of journalistic things. Sure. How, how are you able to, you know, working for a small um, local newspaper, um, you know, maybe doesn't have the street cred, maybe as like a SAC B or like New sure. York Times. You know, are you still able to go and, you know, do cover stories and like dig in and people still, you know, talking to you? Um, how, how are you able to kind of get those stories from some Hall of Famers or baseball players um, to kind of untell us? to tell us some of these stories. Sure. Um, so um, basically, I mean, I should specify that mo- most of my baseball writing comes outside of Gold Country Media. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've written for a variety of different outlets. I, I recently spent two years writing for Sporting News. And so with Sporting News, you know, I was writing four articles a month for them. And it was it basically... It, a lot of a lot of older players know the name Sporting News. You know, you call up and they were like, "Oh, you're from the Sporting News." I remember. News. I remember. Yeah, I mean, it's like it hasn't had a print edition for a few years, but some of the guys don't necessarily know that. So, like Albert Bell and Jeffrey Leonard both asked me if they were going to be on the cover, and it's like, "Oh, sorry, <laughs> we we don't do that anymore." But uh, no, I mean, Sporting News was good about supplying numbers. I'm also actually really good at finding people's numbers. Uh, I mean, with online yellow pages, you can do a lot these days. So really, yeah. So you just like call them up out of the blue, like, "Hey, I'm got some guy," and then. I'm I want to talk yeah. to you about baseball. And they're like, yeah, sure. Like, it's just that easy. Basically, when I was in my mid-20s, I did six months as a telemarketer. I, uh, I worked for a software company. And so I, I became pretty, I wouldn't say fearless, but pretty willing to cold call. And with this, like, you know, in that job, it was at the height of the recession. You're getting told to go away like 50 times a day. Sure. This is much better. You're like, hey, I'm calling to talk yeah. about your Hall of Fame chances with you for sporting news. Like, do you want to do that? And even... Even if you don't have a sporting news, because I, I I don't write there anymore. But. Man, you would do great at clubs. Just no, no, no. Just looking for that one yes. Just getting that one yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and it's important too, because you, you know you don't want to you want to be respectful of people. Like definitely, if you get the vibe that they're really not wanting to do an interview, then you you need to move on. Because there's a lot of other players who are happy to talk to you. That's one thing I really want to stress is most of these guys who you're calling up. Uh, once you get past the hey, how'd you get my number? Then. <laughs> Once, once you get past that, they're usually pretty happy to talk to you, and they have great stories. Hey, one question before we go to break. Uh, Cleveland Indians uh, mentioned that their uh, Chief Wahoo logo will no longer be on their game uniform starting, I believe, the 2019 season. Um, was, that, uh, was that something that should have been done a long time ago? Yeah, I don't know if you guys have to edit this out, but that logo was racist bullshit. So, I mean, I'm glad that it's it's no longer around and or that it's being phased out. I it seems weird to me that they wouldn't just cut it that like they're giving it like a a, a year basically, but uh yeah, no, I mean that that logo was inappropriate 100 years ago. I mean, it's one of those things that's tradition that people have hung on to a long time, but uh yeah, I'm glad it's gone. It's something I uh, is surprising to see that that face on the cap, <laughs> on so many different things, and, and and you know what? They're not necessarily phasing out the whole logo, Albert, but just for the for the game uniforms is no longer being used. Why? I, I don't understand. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, um, you know, they they say the Wahoo Indian, and then also the the Redskins. 
This one is a caricature. Do, do people not understand? Yeah. This is like the extreme stereotype. At least the Redskins logo is just like a chief Indian, yeah. like a portrait. This is like this almost is back, like how, this is like taking Looney Tunes back in the day and how they did the bad racial stereotypes and putting that on the uniform. Yeah, right? do you guys ever watch Cartoon Network like yeah. late at night yeah. when they have the old Looney Tunes on there and they have to yeah. put like the little disclaimer before it's on? That's like, yeah. yeah, these were these were considered okay at the time. Yeah, but. exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and that's really what Yahoo. Uh, not Yahoo. Wahoo looks like. So yeah. It is amazing. Uh, Graham, we're going to have you stick around. We, we'll finish up uh, the rest of the show with some items like the XFL. What would you want for a new football league? We'll get into that. All that and much more on That's News to Us. Okay, welcome back to That's News to Us, Sid Albert, and we are joined with uh, Graham Womack, who is our guest. He is a baseball historian, also a writer for Go Country Media. Uh, guys, we are uh, getting into our next news item, and that is um, Alicia Leventure. She's an anchor for WFAA in Dallas. Um, she did a commentary about Donald Trump s whole remarks about Haiti. She is hap she happens to be. Uh, she happens to be Haitian herself, and she decided to do this commentary. Listen up. I get I'm a journalist, and I'm in the business of sharing personal opinions. I'm supposed to be unbiased. I'm supposed to report the facts. The fact is, what the president said yesterday is wrong. It is so wrong that I can't even repeat it on air. He's the president. He's my president. He's still my president, and that's how he talks about me. Not just me but an entire continent's worth of people. I sat up until 3 a.m. trying to figure out how to address this headline on my Facebook page today. I was trying to be diplomatic. The president is not playing by these same rules. So she obviously thought about this, got the approval from her bosses to do the commentary and decided to air out um, her feelings about President Trump. So she even acknowledged as a journalist, you should be impartial, but she decided to do that. Uh, Graham, as a reporter, do you feel like she may have crossed the line or was it okay? In this, in, in, in the way we conduct things in media, is that justifiable? You know, it's interesting to listen to that. I mean, the, the first thing that kind of pops into my mind is that I, I, I think it works. It works. Maybe broadcast reporters have slightly a little bit more latitude. Um, I think it was totally appropriate for, for her to do that. I mean, broadcasters have done, you know, editorials and kind of on-air commentary for years. Um, it's definitely a challenge, though. I mean, in this era of journalism, you're kind of expected to be more partisan than ever. I know I, I covered uh, one of Tom McClintock's town halls, the one that he gave February right. 4th last year, I guess almost a year ago now. Um, but that one was famous because basically two hours after the event, he told me, and then he would tell other reporters later that he thought some of the reporter, or some of the protesters who were there were anarchists. Mm -hmm. And so basically, I heard this this uh, this quote. I you know I got it on recorded. I put it out there in my story right away, and I didn't editorialize around it at all. I just kind of put it out there, and oh my goodness, people responded to that. Uh, most of the people were angry at Tom McClintock, you know, like we had like over 300 people pop into the Facebook or pop into the comments and just be like, I am not an anarchist. And then a couple people accused me of calling them anarchists. Like yeah. they actually, they even called up and said that I did that. But 
I don't know. It was it was the kind of thing where I was glad I didn't inject too much of my opinion into there. I just kind of reported what he said, and I thought that there was more power in that. But it's not to say there's one way that's right or wrong to, to do this. Albert, you and I have a TV news background. Did she cross the line? You know what? Um, I, I'm, I guess I'm more on the traditional side of things, and I think that right now, it doesn't matter what I think because it's just like Royal Rumble right now. Mm-hmm. So this is like, you know, with Trump adding fuel to the fire, there's no more rules, right? It's just like anything goes, you know, uh, I think a few weeks ago we're talking about uh, that uh, reporter, I mean, that anchor from CNN. Good Morning America that's like by Felicia oh. on, on oh, yeah. TV. Yes, so that's, right. that's a national <laughs> network. Uh, anchor saying by Felicia. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't think there's any more rules, which is sad. You know, I think the old school journalism, 60 minute style, you know, Walter Cronkite, it's like, it's really a relic now. Everything's just about the, the, the way to get as much information out as possible. How can I turn heads? You know, this is going to go on a reel. Okay. Yes, yes. This is like something like, I'm proud and this is what I did. And it's like, she might mean uh, sincerely what she meant, but, you know, it's like, now it's hard to tell what's sincere, what's just for show, and it's just like, I don't even have, I, I feel like that grumpy old man, like, back in my days, like, you know, I'm not, you know, yeah. I'm, <laughs> it's, it's sad. I, I, don't, I don't know what happened, what transpired prior to that, um, but there's a lot of leeway that that news director gave well, to, I mean, to that anchor. There's something to be said, though, the fact that she was, what, in Dallas, and here mm-hmm. we are sitting in an office in Sacramento, and the yep. three of us are discussing it, I mean... I have to think if she had just done kind of a by the numbers, just sort sure. of button down report of that, just said, oh, the president said this, and mm-hmm. here's what the Senate, the opposition majority leader or whatever, or the Senate minority leader said in response. People would just be like, yawn, you know. Right. Next, no one's going to remember <laughs> yeah. that, right? It's not going to be viral, as they say. So, yeah. listen, it works. So, you can't say she's doing, even if she's intentional or not intentional, it's working and it's having an effect. And so, if you break down news or any type of entertainment or infotainment, however you want to call it, it's really about getting the most bang for your buck, and yeah. they're getting it. You right, know, so and if I'm if I'm being perfectly honest, too, sorry sorry to interrupt no, no. you, but th- there is one other thing that's sort of popping in my head that I feel like I should be honest about. Like, it's easier for me to agree with her because she kind of aligns with what my views are. Say this was back during the presidency of Barack Obama, and you'd had somebody on Fox News who'd done something like that, and that probably happened countless times during. Yeah. Obama's two terms. Right. I don't think I'd be. I don't know if I'd be here as enthusiastically like defending it. Sure, sure. And you, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's. I don't know if she really garnered more support by saying that, or she made a lot, uh, made more enemies by by doing that. Who knows? But if if I were running that that news department, I'd probably say, you know what? I get it. People are trying to ask you questions. They know that you're Haitian. Uh, you know what? Just sit it out for a second. I, I, that, that's just me. I'm, I'm way too old school for, for this situation. Like everyone's doing the uh, Stephen A. Smith version of news, right? Just yeah. yell whoever's the loudest yeah. and can get as much attention is like the truth sort of a thing. So, And I agree with you. Uh, you know, Graham, it's, it doesn't matter which side you're on. It's like people are doing it as an effect, whether it's the opposite side or in support of your side. And I think the sad is the sad thing is it's working, and that means it's yeah. motivating and fueling people to do it more and more. So like now this is kind of the norm, and 
you know, you kind of have to accept it, embrace it to a certain degree, and the, the way they go about doing the, the news and journalism. You know what? Let's get to the XFL story. We'll, we'll skip the stupid Jane Fonda story. No one cares about that. <laughs> no one cares about Jane right, Fonda. So, you know who Vince McMahon is? He is the owner and president of the World Wrestling Entertainment. He once... Uh, Speaking of Royal Rumble. Yeah, he once ventured out into uh, a football league called the XFL, and he just decided to go back and reintroduce the XFL. The new XFL will kick off in 2020, and quite frankly, we're going to give the game of football back to fans. I'm sure everyone has a lot of questions for me, but I also have a lot of questions for you. In fact, we're going to ask a lot of questions and listen to players, coaches, we're going to listen to medical experts, technology executives, members of the media, and anyone else who understands and loves the game of football. But most importantly, we're going to be listening to fans. So I would ask that, uh, well, the question of what would you do if you could reimagine the game of professional football? Guys, what would you do? Can I can I ask a first que- two questions? First of all, why does he have a foosball table in front of him? <laughs> as a, I mean, the, he has two like pulp whatever thing in the front like that's added together. That's incredible. Uh, second thing, why does he sound like he's been screaming for five minutes straight before he got on camera? <laughs> that's Vince McMahon. I know, but he's why? a pro wrestling Albert. But was he doing pro wrestling like five minutes before he oh. was going to make this announcement? Like, was he screaming at The Rock five minutes before? Why he does may- he sound like he, that? That's his natural voice. Oh my goodness! So, what would you do? I wouldn't start another minor league football <laughs> league. I minor mean, league is putting it nicely, I think. Yeah. No, I mean, so here's the deal. I mean, basically, American professional sports, I think, enjoy an exemption from antitrust laws. And as long as you have that, I mean, you're going to be very, very lucky if you're able to compete with any of these leagues. I mean, yeah, every sport has had competing leagues, and they've all pretty much gone away. Um, but if you, if you – okay, if you had a league to start up, and it happens to be football – what will be one thing you would like to implement in your league? Um, I'd maybe get rid of all pads. I actually think if you got rid of all pads and all helmets, you'd actually have a lot less injuries. Yeah, I prefer that. Yeah, yeah. like like rugby, right? Just yeah, they're not gonna go all in and put their head down and cause a concussion. And he did mention, you know, he's listening to medical experts, so he he's well aware of how people are kind of skeptical not skeptical but they 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 have a more of a kind of analytical mind when it comes to injuries nowadays so he's well aware of that albert you know the only thing that i here's the thing the reason why it didn't work in the beginning the first xfl was because they try to make it into wrestling football right Right. and no one was no one's buying that and now i think he's trying to be more like genuine about football and trying to do football but like Graham said, it's not even minor league football because you can't even say, oh, there are so many people from the XFL who made it to the NFL. Not like back in the day when, uh, what was the league, uh, you know, where like Steve Young was oh, part that's of the league. USFL. Yeah. I mean, that was a legit league where players came over and became a player. That was like a, a, a league with actual players. This is, I, I don't know what they're going to get. They're just going to get scrap heaps from Canadian leagues. This, I mean, is it above Canadian? Like, I have no idea. This but. is a single entity league, meaning that Vince McMahon owns all the teams uh, affiliated with the XFL. So there are no separate owner, owners. And that's what worked for the ESFL. They had separate owners to really outbid the NFL for those players. However, 
with the XFL, you will have people to kind of rehabilitate their careers. You may have a Johnny Manziel. You may have Colin Kaepernick coming into the XFL. Would that intrigue you at all? No, I hate – I mean, they're <laughs> not in the league because they suck at what they do. They're not the best of the best. Like, isn't – the whole point of sport is to watch the best of the best. That's why you go watch the A's or the Giants. You drive two hours instead of going to the River Cats game. I mean, you make that sacrifice because that is the talent pool that well, you want to watch. I would say that, you know, Kaepernick actually was he, – he did have pretty good numbers. I mean, I, I think his views and kind of the stances he took were, were part of the reason he didn't play in the NFL last year. Now, as for Manziel, though, it's going to be interesting because uh, Vince McMahon has said that basically anybody with a criminal record can't play in this league. Like, it's just not going to happen. And Manziel, I think he, he, had, he had something from a couple of years ago. Um, so – you know, um, I, I do think this league could succeed possibly if it kind of bills itself as the healthy alternative to the NFL. Because right now in the NFL, you have guys who are 24, 25, 26 years old who are walking away from the game just out of fear of, you know, kind of long-term head injuries. And you'd have a base of those kind of guys who you could maybe draw over to the XFL if it's like, hey, if you're playing in my league, you're not going to be wrecked for life. You're not going to lose 20 years off your life. You're not going to have really horrible dementia at the end of your life. I mean, that, that could work. I don't know. I, I think he has learned from his mistakes the, the, with the previous league that he tried to run. There's no more you know, half-naked cheerleaders. There are no more pro wrestlers involved in this. He understands this will be something different. It, I'm not saying that it will be successful. I, I know he learned from his mistakes, though. You know what? I, um, I will only watch the XFL if he challenges Roger Goodell to a one-on-one -on -one, uh, ladder match. <laughs> yes. uh, if that happens, if yeah. he can set that up and uh, Roger Goodell agrees to it, then I will watch XFL All right. for a whole season. So have you guys watched the show This Is Us? No, no, but I, I've heard it's really good. Yeah. So the, it's, the, show, the show has some controversy recently for an episode related to a crock pot. It's a spark of flame in a defective crock pot in this week's episode of This Is Us. In seconds, it's creeping up the curtains, spreading in the kitchen before engulfing the home of a beloved character played by actor Milo Ventimiglia. So, why is the episode causing a social media firestorm? Some viewers are actually throwing out their crockpots, fearing they too will erupt in flames. My mom just threw our crockpot out, goes one tweet. Me running to my kitchen to unplug my crockpot. I will never accept a crockpot as a gift now. Why? Graham, as, as American society, are we just stupid? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I made a lot of crockpot meals in my day. I mean, there's all sorts of things that have a very, very low probability chance of happening. And yeah, they might happen, but more than likely they will not. You can enjoy your crockpot. You can enjoy any number of different things. Uh, you know, they just made crockpot into like America's Most Wanted. Like they made it. It's almost as they made this like uh, putting on uh, just lit up firecrackers in the garbage can. Like as if crockpot has that much of risk factor because of one sh TV show that featured it. I, I don't understand. But it's a beloved character who died because of the but, stupid crockpot. So. I mean, I, I want to see the scientific data, the statistics of how many family fire is occurred by crockpot versus, you know, I don't know, yeah. the radiator or whatever else. Oh, my God. I've never heard of any news stories about crockpot deaths. No, and, and you know what's so funny is that uh, several uh, of it's on NBC. So several of the NBC affiliates 
had to do stories about this. And so they interviewed <laughs> oh like a, a local firefighter and the firefighter would say, yeah, you know what? We haven't had any oh issues with the crock pot. See, that's, that's kind of the death of journalism, right? Like you're following <laughs> a fictional show and a fictional event well, people, and you're covering reactions People from comment that. on oh it on Twitter goodness. saying they're throwing away their crock pots, Albert. Oh. All right. So, and, uh, okay. Nutella. Who, who, who likes Nutella? Oh, definitely. Yes. So uh, here, even though it's so bad for you, I love it. Here's a story about Nutella and a massive discount on Nutella and people going crazy for that. It's just Nutella, people. This crowd went crazy on the chocolate hazelnut spread when it found out that the item was on sale. The French supermarket selling it reduced the price of Nutella by 70%. It went from just over five and a half bucks to the low cost of $1.75. Graham, is there one food item that you will take your family members and say, we need to get this pronto? Um, please man. say Nutella, please. That's please a, say Nutella. That's a good question. I, my wife and I, we go to Trader Joe's a lot, and I know when I see Orangina there, <laughs> uh, which, which, which pairs very nicely with Nutella. Yeah, man, true. every time I see the Orangina, it's always a tough decision not to buy it, because every time I see it, it's like, oh, man, I gotta, gotta buy this, you know? But what if it was 75% off? Yeah. Oh, I... Are you wrestling would little you, kids? Would you, would you load up for that? Um, I, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, possibly, um... I don't know. What I've noticed with Trader Joe's is that, unfortunately, Orangina is very rarely in stock. Usually, I'm having to load up on other stuff. So, yeah, if it was there and it was in stock and it was like 70% off, I might walk out with 10, 15 bottles of Would it. Would you push out a child to get it? Like, <laughs> no. you know, if it was like three cases, would you like do a stiff arm to get it? That's well, the real question. I mean, really, it's more like Taekwondo or something. <laughs> yeah. A little sidekick, a little roundhouse. I would do that. <laughs> what, what would be your item, Albert? You know what? Um, I recently got addicted to uh, sparkling water. So oh, like, yeah, I, I'm, you know, it's kind of like a diet thing, but now it's like, I need sparkling water, but I can't have soda. So like the LaCroix, like I need to have it. So anytime they go on sale, even like drops 30 cents, I'm like, oh my God, I got to, I got to load up. Um, I do that so, with sparkling water. Yeah. They, if they have them up front and it's like 90 cents a bottle, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to be getting like five yeah, of these I'm now. Yeah, I'm going to push the infant away and make a cry. I don't care. I'm going to grab the last uh, six pack or so. I was going to say ribeye. I, I, you're, you're a meat guy. I was I was thinking ribeye. Someone said 75% off on rib, ribeye. I'm like, absolutely. Yeah, but it's still going to be super expensive. So. No, well, still, it's 75% off though. I mean, yeah. steak is the kind of thing where, yeah, usually you see it and you're like, okay, I'm going to have to pay like eight or $12 for this. But yeah, if it's like three or four bucks yeah you know you might you might load up your freezer with those yeah i guess i'm more addicted to uh, sparkling water because i said only 20 cents less and i'll still I don't know go you crazy yeah, i don't know I you anymore so. this is weird T- say korean short rib maybe i'll go crazier for it you know maybe ribeye is not my in my short wheelhouse hey, hey graham um, are you working on anything special in next couple of weeks or months yeah um so I've, I've got kind of a few things in the hopper i've um so i'm a member of the society for american baseball research and i i recently became active in its uh, oral history committee so what i do with that it, it's actually really fun i get to go around and just sit down with old ball players and just kind of hear their stories and talk about their careers so i just did my first interview for that with a guy who lives in sacramento his name's lowell palmer he pitched uh between 1969 and 1974 he claims he he could pitch well over 100 miles an hour he just didn't have a ton of control and didn't really have much off-speed stuff but oh it's the guy from bull durham uh, sort of, yeah. Right? Um, is so is he based on him? Well, so Nuke Lelouch, uh, the character from Bull Durham, right. is based, I believe, on Steve Dalkowski, oh, who's okay. a guy from the 60s who, yeah, who 
throw crazy fast, but I did ask. I asked Lowell if uh, Ricky Vaughn from Major League was based yeah, on him at all, and I, I guess he wasn't. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to basically be going around to every player I can find in the greater Sacramento area and, and doing oral histories with them. And then I'm, you know, I'm 34 years old. I haven't written a book before. I'm kind of getting the itch to write one. So I, um, I'm, I'm in the early stages of, of putting something together as far as that goes, and that'd probably be a couple year project. But that that's something that I really want to be able to do. Hey, when you're done interviewing all those players, come back talk about that. Oh. Oh, sure. It'd be my pleasure. Yeah. Um, by the way, you sh- should uh, bring the speed gun with that uh, with Lowell and say, hey, <laughs> prove it to me you're getting pitched to over 100 miles per hour. I got the speed gun right now. Come on. The guy's going to bring his arm. He's going to come out of his socket, man. Well, the crazy thing, too, is he, I think he claimed he did that like a, uh, after pitching like two consecutive nights. Oh, and my it was gosh. like maybe at the end of his outing. Oh, I mean, gosh. so it was, yeah, the implication was that, you know, maybe he was hitting even All a right. bit higher. All right. All right. Oh, boy. Uh, Patriots, Eagles. What, what do you have? Oh God! Can they both lose? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I think the Patriots will probably win, but I guess if I had to choose between those two teams, I'd probably rather see the Eagles win. Um, I do like Nick Foles. I mean, it'd be nice to see him kind of redeem himself. I like that you're opinionated. You, you're not holding back. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's cool. Unlike Joe's, like the bat, and yeah. that's all we get. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. Uh, not to bag on. All you. right. So one more time, your Twitter account for both your. Um, your baseball and then your your sure. whole country media. Yeah, so if you're into baseball history, give me a follow on Twitter at Graham Dude. Uh, and then if uh, if you live in the South Placer area or you, you care about what goes on there, Graham Womack, GCM. Um, yeah, and that, that's my account for Gold Country Media. And you can also subscribe to us. Uh, we are a weekly paper, and we're fantastic at what we do. And remember, if you're a PR hack like myself, please do not send <laughs> a press release thinking that he will just regurgitate that press release because he just told me that he wouldn't do that for me. <laughs> Be a human being. Be a human being, okay? So, hey, Graham, thanks thanks for making time. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Um, for Joe, who uh, is rehabilitating his uh, infected foot. R.I.P., Joe. Yeah. <laughs> For Albert and I'm Sid Fong. Until next time, folks. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have to edit this out, but that logo was racist bullshit. So, I mean, I'm glad that it's it's no longer around. So hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Grant Womack. Really good dude, good guy. So much wealth of knowledge when it comes to major major league baseball. Um, it was very fascinating to sit down and talk to him about that. And hopefully we'll get him back on the show um, as we get closer to postseason. Okay. So, um, oh, you can follow him on Twitter at at Graham Dude. That's at Graham Dude. That's his Twitter handle. By the way, we have a Twitter handle for our podcast, and that's at That's News to Us. Uh, the two is the number two. So at That's News, the number two, and then us. Uh, please, once again, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes uh, or SoundCloud. Uh, that's probably the best way to get updates on the on the podcast along with Twitter. Uh, we will drop a new episode soon. Uh, but for the next couple of weeks, we'll probably give you the some of the uh, other best of episodes that are being lined up for you guys. So stay tuned for that. All right. Uh, keep cool. And it was very, very hot. So for Joe, for Albert, I'm Sid. Until next time.